Proverbs chapter 3, starting at verse 13. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies, nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge the deeps were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow, when you have it now with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a violent man or choose any of his ways, for the Lord detests a perverse man, but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but gives grace to the humble. The wise inherit honor, but fools he holds up to shame. Now continuing from chapter 4, verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. This is God's word. Let me add my welcome. My name's Simon Pedley, one of the ministers here. And let's pray as we look at this passage together. Heavenly Father, thank you very, very much for these uh, intriguing, challenging, precious words in this book of Proverbs. We pray that you would uh, impress them upon our hearts this morning that they might uh, become part of our our thinking, part of our living, for your name's sake. Amen. Let me ask, is there something that you want more than anything else? Maybe slightly too big a question. Let's focus on this week ahead. Uh, Dream dreams. Uh, What would you like to have this week more than anything else? I don't know what comes to mind in terms of uh, practical things that's available in this world. Uh, I want to enjoy life this week. I'd like to feel secure in my job this week or get a new job this week. Uh, I'd like to experience love in my friendships or in a a relationship. Uh, I I guess for some, longings might feel a lot less ambitious. Things like, I I just want better health this week. I just want a bit of respect from the people around me this week. I just want to get some sleep this week for some people. We all have a list of wants at various times, and, and different things float up to the, the top and, uh, and hit the top of that list. Let me be provocative 
from Proverbs. We're going to see in this passage this morning, if at the top of our list is something other than wisdom, we're making a big mistake. We should pursue wisdom, says this passage in Proverbs, above all else. Now, I think that needs quite a bit of explaining. Uh, But let me very quickly show you that these chapters really do say that, uh, that we should pursue wisdom above all else. So have a look at where we began, chapter 3, verse 13. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Uh, The language there is uh, from the the trading floor, gains and profits and yields and returns. I've got a a friend called John who used to be a, a gold trader in the city of London. And I remember having lunch with him quite a few years ago. Uh, before the financial crisis, and he was sort of leaning across the table saying, oh, I'm worried about the economy. I think uh, the U.S. economy is going to tank and it's going to take everybody else with us. And what everybody should do is buy gold. And, of course, he would say that. Uh, but if I'd taken his advice, if I'd had any money to invest, um, I could have bought gold in, I think it was 2005, around about then, at £10 a gram. Today it's worth three and a half times that much. Hindsight is a wonderful thing, if you have it. Um, But Proverbs 3 is saying here, forget gold. Forget that kind of investment, or whatever else you might invest in. Get wisdom. That is where the real gains are to be found. Uh, Then this, in verse 15. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Wisdom personified in these chapters as uh, a woman proclaiming wise words to us is simply more desirable than anything or anyone else. And flick forward to a couple of places in chapter 4, verse 7. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, though it cost all you have, get understanding. And then uh, skip down to verse 23 of chapter 4. Above all else, guard your heart before it is the wellspring of life. It's very clear what these chapters are are saying. Pursue wisdom above all else. I I, I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, I feel almost uncomfortable saying it from the front. I wouldn't dare say it if it wasn't here in the Bible. How can we put forward wisdom as such a supreme value? It sounds almost idolatrous. Uh, We haven't mentioned God yet. Are we turning wisdom into some sort of God to to put first in our lives? No, just in case you're worried. Uh, Let me remind you, the wisdom of Proverbs begins with God. Uh, So you may remember chapter 1, verse 7, which we looked at a few weeks ago. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So true wisdom in the Proverbs sense, starts with acknowledging God, recognizing that this is his world and his wisdom that we need. So pursuing this kind of wisdom above all else will mean acknowledging the Lord first above all else. And this wisdom is not just academic knowledge, just to make that clear, it's about living wisely in God's world. Uh, The other week, Matt Fuller uh, quoted a very helpful definition from uh, Tim Keller, a a New York pastor. This wisdom in Proverbs is competence in the complexities of life. And here in these opening nine chapters of the book, we're given motivations 
reasons why we should read on and devote ourselves to God's wisdom in the rest of this book. So that's our, our agenda this morning. I want to try and persuade you, as these chapters intend, uh, to pursue wisdom above all else in your life. That's going to be a tall order. It means that uh, you need to believe that everything else you want is less important. So here we go. Uh, the headings are there on your handout. Uh, let me just warn you, uh, ignore the middle one. Uh, there's far too much to say about the other two. Uh, so it's the first and the last, the payoff of wisdom and the pursuit of wisdom. So first, the payoff of wisdom in chapter 3, verses 13 to 26. Why is wisdom a better investment than gold or silver and more desirable than anything that we could have? Now, these verses tell us. And if you're uh, uh, taking notes and uh, you want a a quick summary of what we're going to say, these three words, blessing, insight, and safety. Blessing, insight, and safety. Blessing is there in uh, verses 13 to 18, and we'll spend a lot of our our time on this section. Just look at how uh, Lady Wisdom is pictured in these verses. There she stands in verse 16. What is she holding? Long life in her right hand. Riches and honor in her left hand. What does she like to spend time with in verse 17? Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. This is the person you really want in your life. Uh, wisdom. She's there uh, waiting for you with all of these things. I don't know what uh, your Christmas presents were like this year. These gifts are, are something else altogether. I mean, just, just look at them again in 16 and 17. Long life, riches, honor, pleasure, peace. The more I thought about those verses, the more I, I realized pretty much everything I could want in earthly terms is here. Long life. Yeah, I, I I, I want a long life. I want to be in good health. I'd, I'd love to live long enough to, to grow old with my family, uh, to keep being a husband to Tree and a dad to Joel, not to be taken from them or my friends prematurely. Uh, riches, uh, having food and shelter is a good thing to praise God for. What about riches? Do we praise God for that? Well, w- would I like to be able to afford the best foods and drinks to travel and see amazing places around the world, to, to live in comfort and luxury with nice gadgets and have plenty to be generous with on top of all of that? L- let me think, would I like that? Yes, I, w- I think I would. Uh, of course, uh, all else being equal, it is far better to be rich than poor. Proverbs later makes very clear that there are other things to value above riches, but riches are a, a good thing. Uh, Honour. Uh, if we admit it, uh, all of us would love to be uh, well thought of by others, wouldn't we? It's a, a wonderful thing to be treated with dignity and respect, to be regarded as worthy or, or kind or loyal or competent or capable in some way pleasure. Again, let me think, do I want to be happy? Uh, Yeah, of course, everybody does. Pleasurable experiences in this world take all sorts of forms, relationships, sport, technology, sex, achievement, entertainment. To be able to enjoy those things is a a great blessing. And then finally, peace. Uh, We all want peace. Uh, One of my wife Tree's favorite films is Miss Congeniality. I don't know if you've seen that. Sandra Bullock, the undercover FBI agent at a beauty contest uh, where every contestant at at one point in the contest is asked, 
what is the one most important thing that our society needs? And they're all supposed to robotically answer, world peace. And uh, everyone gives them a big round of applause. And uh, Sandra Bullock's character says, uh, that would be uh, harsher punishment for parole violators. And there's a stunned silence from the crowd. Oh, and world peace. And everyone applauds. Yes, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, and the applause shows that uh, even though uh, you look at these uh, contestants and you're supposed to think, well, they're a bit sweet and silly and naive for suggesting such a thing because it's so unattainable, the applause shows it is what everybody wants, really. World peace. Not just globally, but where we are locally. Peace on our streets, in our homes, in our friendships. So all of these things are extraordinary blessings. Perhaps the sum total of earthly blessings in a sense. All you could ever want in an earthly physical sense is is here. And they are lady wisdoms to give to us. She can give us the things in our hands, long life, riches, honor. She can take us along with her on those paths of pleasure and peace. Everything you could ever want she can give us. Now remember, she is the personification of God's wisdom. It is God's wisdom that can bring these things to us. Now do you notice, these are some of the very same things I mentioned at the beginning. The things we might want most in this coming week. Good health, wealth, enjoyment, respect, and so on. Proverbs says that if we pursue wisdom above all else then she'll give us those blessings. Now, you, you might think that sounds pretty outrageous and uh, too big a, a promise. It's obvious that you don't just get all these things automatically by seeking wisdom. Well, let me just remind us or, or mention, if you weren't there, the, the helpful framework Matt gave us last week. These promises, when they come up in Proverbs, are typically true in this life, but absolutely true in eternity. So on the one hand, in this life, it will be typically true that living wisely will lead to all of these things, long life, more wealth, more honor and pleasure and peace. But there's there's no guarantee of that. And our fallen world will often produce counterexamples, which the book of Proverbs itself acknowledges in some of its teaching. On the other hand, though, in the next life, wisdom can grant all of those things without any restrictions, without any limit. Now, verse 18 drops us a massive hint about this eternal future of blessing. Just glance down at verse 18. She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who embrace her. A tree of life. I want to pause on that for a moment and take uh, just a little tour uh, so we can see the significance of that. Maybe you know that the tree of life appears uh, in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, where it's a picture of God, uh, God's gift of life to his people. Uh, eating from the tree of life, they can live forever. But when they rebel against God, choosing to reject his rule and, and declare independence from him, God responds by denying them access to the tree. So here's uh, on the screen, Genesis 3, verse 22. The Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. In other words, uh, taking to himself the, uh, uh, the decision to play God and choose good and evil for himself. 
So he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So since Genesis 3, the fall, eternal life with all of its blessings is not available to us because of our tragic rebellion against God. We're cast out of that garden because of our our sin and unable to return there. But then fast forward to the other end of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and the tree of life is back. Uh, So here on the screen is uh, uh, Revelation 22, uh, verse 1. Then the angel showed me, this is the Apostle John speaking, the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. So this is a a vision of the great city of heaven in the new creation. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. It's back, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. And then uh, this. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. It is those, Revelation says, with washed robes who regain access to the tree of life. Now, what does that mean? Well, earlier in Revelation, we have an explanation of these washed robes. Uh, Verse uh, 14 of chapter 7, uh, up on the screen there. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus, the sacrificed lamb who died on the cross, gave his blood to wash us clean. His blood doesn't turn things red. It turns things white. If we come to Jesus, all the stains of that rebellion in Genesis 3 are washed away. And we're made ready to enter God's presence again, to be welcomed back, uh, given access again to that tree of life. Jesus was nailed to a tree of death so that we might come back to that tree of life. Now, the only place in the Bible that the tree of life appears uh, besides Genesis and Revelation is four times in the book of Proverbs, which is interesting, isn't it? Um, And I take it to mean this. If we go with the wisdom of Proverbs, this is where that wisdom ultimately leads Ultimately, the wisdom of Proverbs takes us to Jesus and through his death to the tree of life. We can't have these blessings eternally without Jesus. Wisdom beckons us and says, pursue me above all else and I will take you to Jesus and he will give you life. And with it, all of these blessings. So the first payoff of wisdom is blessing an eternal blessing because of Jesus. Let me mention the other two much, much more quickly. Verse 19 and 20, there's insight. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. Now, this is so important, these verses that we looked at at the beginning of our service. Where will you spend your time this week? 
in the office, at home, university campus, leisure center, I don't know. Um, Wherever it is, wherever you are, it's part of the world that God made through his wisdom. So if you want to live wisely in the office, at home, in the leisure center, wherever, out and about, you'll need his wisdom. So I I think one of the misguided things that that you and I do almost instinctively is to carve up the world in our heads and think only some of it is God's domain. And the rest of it is kind of my place to to find my way in uh, how I like. So we draw some sort of line and uh, we recognize we need God's wisdom in some places, in church I guess, uh, maybe one or two other places in life. Uh, We might acknowledge it about family, I don't know. But if I think I don't need God's wisdom at home, then I'm not going to live wisely at home. It's his world that my home is part of. If I think that I don't need God's wisdom at work, then I'm not going to live wisely at work. It's God's world that my work is part of. Uh, Perhaps there are just little pockets of life here and there which you think of as your time that you don't uh, apply God's wisdom to. Watching TV. You won't wisely watch TV if you don't realize that that is in God's world. Traveling for work. You won't spend your time wisely when you're traveling for work unless you seek God's wisdom for that time. Being at home by yourself. Will you seek God's wisdom for that time? If we realize that every second of our lives is spent in a world constructed and made by God's wisdom, that there is no secular domain out there that he's not the God of, then we'll come running to him for this insight. Only he can show us how his world works that he made by his wisdom. So blessing, insight, and the last of these three payoffs, safety. Verses 21 to 26. I uh, I love these verses. Listen to uh, the calm assurance of verse 23. Pursue wisdom, then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. Don't you want the assurance described there? We probably all know the difference between lying awake at night, fearing the worst, dreading some situation uh, that is coming up or some possible disaster, and hitting the pillow happy, satisfied, ready to sleep, drifting off into blissful slumber. We all know the difference between those two experiences. And Proverbs says, wisdom will give you the blissful sleep, the freedom from fear. And again, we've got to apply this carefully. We can't use these verses to promise uh, freedom from disaster in this life or even freedom from worries. In a fallen world, these things can and do still happen uh, to any of us. But uh, in this life, typically, the wise will face fewer disasters, as a, uh, generally speaking, on the whole. And that is often a result of avoiding sin. In verse 25, it sounds as if the disaster and ruin are the direct consequence of a person's wickedness, something they've done that leads to uh, repercussions rebounding on them. 
Uh, that's not always the, the case with disasters, but often it is. Uh, something happens that is a, a, a deliberate outworking of, of uh, somebody's wickedness. Uh, somebody following wisdom doesn't need to be afraid of that kind of disaster. Add to that, there is no fear of final disaster, total ruin, if we follow wisdom. Because our future is secure, thanks to Christ, his death on the cross. Death and judgment cannot hurt us because of Jesus. And so in eternity, these promises will be absolutely true. There will be nothing to fear ever again. No possibility of tragedy or ruin or uh, failure or rejection sleep in the new creation i don't know if we'll i don't know i don't know but we're going to sleep assuming we do it'll be sweet sleep blissful sleep why pursue wisdom above all else well these verses from chapter three show us the immense payoff blessing insight safety and the legitimate way the only sure way to get hold of those things in earthly terms is to pursue god's wisdom above all else Do you believe that? Are you persuaded that this week you want to go out to wherever you're working, wherever you're living, and pursue God's wisdom there? If you are persuaded, then come with me to the end of chapter 4, starting in verse 20, because here we see uh, the pursuit of wisdom described to us. In other words, how practically can we acquire this wisdom? Uh, if you're in a home group, home groups will have a chance to look at the other sections that we've missed in detail. So do come along midweek if you're in a, a home group. That'd be great. But let's pick it up from chapter 4, verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a whole man's body. Above all else, Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away adversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. By the end of that passage, we're talking about the living of wisdom. But I want to summarize the the first few verses of that section with uh, three verbs from verses 20 to 23. A three-step process in acquiring wisdom, if you like. Listen, keep, guard. Those three uh, verbs, listen, keep, guard. Let's follow it through. Verse 20 says to listen. We've got to listen to God speaking his word as he gives us wisdom in the Bible. Let me say some very basic things about listening to God's word in the Bible, which no matter how many times some here might have heard, uh, we need to hear again. We've got to read our Bibles. It is step number one in pursuing wisdom. We can't get wise without it. So let me ask you the, the bottom line question. Are you pursuing God's wisdom by reading the Bible? If not, could it be that you're pursuing something else as a higher value? God's wisdom. 
Maybe uh, you're here as a relatively young Christian and you've never properly got going with uh, a daily routine of Bible reading. Let me urge you, make a start. This is how uh, God imparts his wisdom to you. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a bit longer and your Bible reading at some point has tailed off, maybe recently, maybe months, maybe even years ago. Do you realize that you've stopped doing step one of this process of receiving wisdom from God? It leaves you very, very vulnerable to unwise choices in life. Let me urge you, start again. This year, my wife Tree and I are trying something different. We started doing a two-year reading through the Bible plan together. We're trying to do it last thing at night. We've not done something like that together before, and I'll admit to you, it's January the 20th. We're already uh, about 10 days behind. Now, uh, I've been away on conferences and uh, timetables. Uh, excuses galore for you. But we've got to stick at it, haven't we? We're going to do it. Um, but notice, we're, we're, we're not called uh, to just listen in verse 20, but to listen closely, to pay attention. And slow down, savor the words. They all matter. Ponder what the words mean that God is saying to you and why God said it that way. Think about the context. Why is God saying it here in particular? Often it's most helpful to to read consecutive passages so that you can see the context as you're going along, so that you're not taking things out of context. Uh, You could use um, published notes like... uh, the ones I left on my chair over there. Never mind. Um, there's lots of them at the bookstall. Uh, so go and have a look. There's one called Explore that I can see on the top. Uh, one called Daily uh, Bible Notes. Uh, they're all highly recommended. Go and have a, have a look for yourself. Uh, do, yeah, do have a look if you've not explored those for yourself. So step one, listen. Step two, keep. Verse 21. Do not let them, God's words, out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. How can we keep God's words after we've read them? So that it's not just in one ear and out of the other, uh, but so they stay with us. Just a few uh, suggestions. Talk about them. Talk about them first to God himself. Uh, When you pray, start by talking to God about what he has said to you. Lord, thank you for this wonderful nugget of of wisdom. Please impress it on my heart so that I remember it. Lord, I feel very challenged about this. Please help me to live it today. Help me to live it this week. The Psalms often talk about meditating on God's word. In other words, praying through something again and again, taking time over it, reflecting until it becomes part of us talk to God talk to each other we're all in this together learning from God together so let's talk about what God is teaching us that's one of the reasons Tree and I are embarking on our Bible reading plan together as well as helping each other try and stick to the plan the the aim is to put God's wisdom more on the agenda in our everyday conversations other great things you could do try to memorize some verses that's a great way to to keep them Uh, If you know a good song based on a passage or on a a truth taught by a passage, put that on your MP3 playlist for a while uh, and listen to it until you know the song and can can sing it to yourself. Keep what you've heard from God. Listen, keep, and then step three, guard. Verse 23. Above all else, 
Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. When you've listened to God's word and kept hold of some of the wisdom revealed there so that it's stored up in your heart, now, guard it. Don't let that wisdom escape. Find ways to revisit what you've learned. Come back to the same passage again. Refresh your memory of it. Finish a Bible reading plan and then start again or do a different one. Uh, Keep sermon notes uh, and then take them out to reread them once in a while. Uh, Some people like to keep a journal of what God is teaching them day by day. All all fantastic things to do. Now, I, I imagine that there are some this morning listening to me saying this and thinking, well, yeah, sure, in an ideal world, uh, every day I'd be doing that. But you don't know the pressure that I'm under, uh, the timetable I have to keep, the distractions that I face. It's all right for you ministers, etc., etc. Um, well, I have had other jobs, uh, and so I know something of the particular pressures there. But let me suggest that there are, there are certain things that all of us will find time for. When was the last time you left the house in your pyjamas because uh, you didn't have time to get dressed? Somehow, no matter how short of time I am, I I always manage to do that uh, and to brush my teeth uh, in the morning. And I always have a shower at night because I'm not allowed in bed unless I've had one. So um, my mind has uh, clocked those things as essential. And so they've become ingrained daily habits. If we take these chapters on board, we'll understand that we need to pursue wisdom above all else. And so pursuing wisdom is even more essential than sorting out my dental hygiene or sartorial elegance in the morning. The Bible needs to go on that list of essentials, at the top of that list of essentials, and to become a a daily ingrained habit that we know we can't do without. As we finish... some of the, uh, the guys here this morning might remember a, a men's breakfast we had a few months ago when a, a guy called Michael Farmer uh, came to speak uh, to us. Michael's an incredibly successful city trader. Uh, millions and billions of hand, uh, pounds have, have passed through his hands. Uh, he was once nicknamed Mr. Copper because so much of the world's copper was traded through him and his firm. Uh, and he's a very clear, very committed Christian and he, he told us about an enormously stressful period in his life when an aggressive competitor suddenly emerged in the market and through some rather sharp uh, business practices, I believe, swallowed up so much of the trade that it, for a time it looked as if Michael and his firm would, would be just dragged under, that he would lose everything. And for a time, Michael remembers dealing with that very, very badly, as you, as you might expect, hardly sleeping at night. Hardly praying or reading his Bible or going to church. Very tempted to respond with subtly underhand ways of his own. But his Christian friends helped to bring him back to the Bible to pursue God's wisdom in the situation. And it changed everything for him. the, the, The financial problems were not solved overnight. But Michael remembers consciously deciding to trust God for the future, to recommit himself to doing his business with integrity, and to consider his money not as his own, but as God's gift, which ultimately God was free to to give or to take away as he pleases. And so he slept soundly. He worked hard. He trusted God. And as it happened, his uh, fortunes were restored 
after time, but that needn't have been the case. Uh, He'd already learnt to trust God's wisdom, whether or not that was going to happen. And so uh, Michael looks back on that experience, so glad to have learned that lesson. Money might come and go. All sorts of good things in our lives might come and go. Security, stability might come and go. Future prospects come and go. But if we pursue God's wisdom above all else, then he'll enable us to live wisely whatever happens. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we are not without a guide to this world. We, we have you, the one who, who made this world, the one whose wisdom is on display everywhere we look, the one who chose how this world would operate. So help us, Lord, not to play the fool and go off and try to invent our own rules. Help us, Father, to come back to you, to listen, to sit at your feet, Please teach us how to live wisely in our homes, in our offices, at our schools, in our universities, in our leisure time, wherever it is. Help us to look to you as the one who made it all. And Father, we thank you for the grace, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means these gifts of wisdom can ultimately be ours despite the way that we have walked away from you. We thank you, we praise you for him, and we ask that you would teach us in him more and more. Amen.